0: Welcome okay,
1: my friends. Welcome to my chocolate factory. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. Nobody in the hallway.
0: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
1: Welcome to Fans Labyrinth. Podcast where we talk about your favorite indie flicks and genre cinnamon. Cinnamon?
0: Cinnamon! <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, I
1: went into that so confidently. Um, it is a Monday
0: at 8 p.m. and we are yeah. crumbling.
1: <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Lydia. We are with two other people. <laughs> two other people.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> We've been demoted. <laughs> Uh who are those people? Uh who who are you, other person?
1: Uh I'm Lydia. That's uh that's Des and then Joseph.
2: I'm the third person.
1: This... Hooray. This is just what it's gonna be. This yeah. is it. Uh,
0: if you can't already tell, the movie the fun we done is uh <laughs> was a rough one.
1: I promise. No, I <laughs> promise mean... I'm not drunk while recording this.
0: Yeah, dead sober. Yeah. <gasps>
2: I was thinking of having a beer. Actually, are you going to be the apologist? I'm having a
0: beer while while recording
2: tonight, but I. That's a good idea, actually. No, I didn't do it. I drank last night, so I was like, eh, let's not let's not indulge too much. Consider this your intervention.
1: Well, I was (laughs) thinking of um, I don't I don't even really drink anymore, um, but I had these like really nice cocktails while I was in Vegas to the point where it made me think like, I should get a little bar cart for my apartment. And then just <laughs> learn to make these like three cocktails that I tried while I was in Vegas for the week. Yeah. And then anytime somebody comes over, I can just be like, "Oh, uh, can I get you something to drink?" And then just make them like an unnecessarily fancy <laughs> cocktail for like the you're, shitty you're apartment. You're at that point. That I I your thirties.
0: Yeah, alcoholism but fancy. Yeah. I mean, but fashion. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have a cock uh, a literary cocktail book called Tequila Mockingbird.
1: Oh, I'll get out of here. You. Did you? for me. Oh damn! Yeah.
2: I knew that it was, was a gift, Christmas but I didn't remember last who it was year. From. You dick! It wasn't last year. I think it was at least two years ago. But
1: well, it was the same year as whenever you gave me that '80s uh, movies yeah uh, I remember book. That now. And I th- yeah. I'm like pretty sure that was last year.
0: Maybe. I for some reason I actually do have something to contribute to this. Okay. I have a cocktail book. It is from the year. This yes, is just uh, in his
2: own world second. here. We're, we're, we're arguing about like Christmas three years ago. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like th- Look, th- this
0: last book is from ni- <laughs> it, it's from 1939. This cocktail book. Oh, Ooh, I bet uh, it
1: has like a the, recipe for a mean gimlet.
0: The front and back cover are both made of wood. Oh it's shit! Made of wood. Whoa! Oh my god. Um, and the pages are like onion skin, like a Bible. And it's got like really like old timey, uh, you in the podcast can't see this, but I'll maybe show a picture of it later. Oh like yeah. Really it old looks like Jetson's Jets it. cartoons. So cool. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's tons. Like, it's not just like five really good ones. It's like each page has like 10 cocktails and it's just like, um, here's an example. Uh, this one's called Five Fifteen. one pony of, uh, Curacao, one pony, pony of French vermouth one pony fresh fresh cream. I'm guessing it's an ounce, but uh, I don't think it practices Ew, fresh that. fresh cream. I, listen, I'm not. I didn't buy it for its contents. I bought it because it's all. It's literally like it's from 1939, and it's made of wood.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, and super a boring.
0: pony. A pony is a fluid ounce. That's it. Actually, does have like a legend yeah. at the front.
1: Well, that's good.
2: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm boring for a Canadian. In that, my favorite cocktail is definitely a Caesar. And then it's like there's a bunch of others, but I order Caesars all the time. I just had for a Caesar like you, last week.
1: For those of you that are Americans, a Caesar the is basically Bloody a Bloody Mary, but made with clamato juice.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh clam tomato. Yeah, you gotta get that yeah. in Canadia. Yeah. I mean, you gotta um, get
1: that sick clam essence for I it haven't, to be a real yeah. Caesar.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
2: haven't had a Bloody Mary, but I'm like I'm certain it tastes very similar. Like I, I always thought it was so special that Canadians had Caesars. I'm like, it is a really like like has a lot of different ingredients. So I'm like, Ooh, we have our own special little concoction. It's like, no, it's basically just one ingredient different than,
0: Hey, to be fair though, like that's kind of what people say about like Caesar salads, right? Is like, it's not real if it doesn't have like anchovy guts in it or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe the clams do make it. I I don't know. I'm, I usually just get a Ryan ginger anywhere I go Mm. because no one can fuck that up. Oh, you'd be surprised. Do you guys remember bars?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Remember socializing?
0: No, I just vividly hallucinate that you guys are in the room with me while I talk at my laptop. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, no, that's fair. I feel I have been to bars recently, so I'm like, oh, you know,
0: that's scandalous. I mean, what's the bar scene even look fair. like nowadays? Like, is it is it? You have to um, be
2: double vaccinated and everything.
0: And I just mean like like who who turns out right? Regulars. <laughs> that They're worries drunks? me.
2: I mean, I wasn't going to so, say it.
0: So again, Joseph, this is supposed to function as your intervention. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> I, I, was,
2: I went to one with my friend after. Well, I mean, I might, I might as well jump into it since this is the story. But my it favorite me. thing I've watched recently is the French, dis, not Dispute. Oh, my God. I don't know why. Dispatch. Want to say, dispatch. French <laughs> Dispatch. Um, which has a trillion amazing actors directed by Wes Anderson. And I, Wes Anderson's... His- Back and forth. Like, I like some boring, of the movies.
1: white vision.
2: Okay. Okay. I like some of his movies. I like Royal Tenenbaums. I liked the hotel. Uh, uh,
1: Grand Budapest.
2: Grand Budapest Hotel. But the other ones, I don't know, Moonrise Kingdom and um, I never watched Isle of Dogs. But yeah, a few of his others didn't do it for me. But I always knew that I loved his style. And this is already, like, clearly my favorite one. Like, it is his style, but with, like, a French sentimentality or like a French disposition. And it's a series of short stories, which are short stories within a newspaper, basically the Paris review or the New Yorker. I love it. The vignettes are so well done, works so well for his style. Uh, it has every actor under the sun. Tilda Swinton plays a reporter talking about her following the arts and social arts and society. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she, she finds out about this great painter Who's a serial murderer who then goes to jail and in jail paints a masterpiece and then becomes ultra famous for it, even though he's still like a psychopath. And th- there's something about the irony to that. Until the Swinton is like swooning over this man, it's um, Benicio del Toro who actually plays the thing, and he's oh, he he's immaculate so as a, as this yeah. psychopathic artist.
1: Why does this just feel like velvet buzzsaw? Mm. Giving me the same. This energy. this
2: part, yeah, this part is a similar to. Belleville so much better though, and the the paintings actually look great that they do in it. Like they're very abstract and whatnot, but you can tell like Wes Anderson has a reverence for these sort of French stories or these sort of like overly high culture stuff, but he's also making fun of them and s- showing how over the top and absurd uh, these things are in the movie. And there's something about the balance of it that, for me personally, I do like those things. I really like it. I feel like I'm in on the joke with him, but he's also very reverent to them and showing off French culture in a cool way. <laughs>
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, that's a really interesting way to, way to frame it. I feel like between the three of us, we've probably watched basically every major Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I feel like I've I've never been able to put into words that idea that he is oftentimes like he's telling absurd stories, but it's oftentimes like he's telling a joke and he's trying to get you kind of inside of it. I
1: don't know, just so much of what he does and the jokes that he make feel like this like very specific brand of privileged whiteness. That, it absolutely like, is. As much as he's mocking, like, super privileged whiteness, these jokes are so niche that you, like, can't even get in on them unless you're just a super privileged white person. Yeah. And then it's like sitting there reading New Yorker cartoons and thinking <laughs> you're smarter than everybody else because you get it. And it's like, fuck off, man. I don't know. So much of his shit feels like style without legitimate substance. Well, it's okay.
0: It have the style.
2: Here's the thing for me, it's like I think the substance is there. It's just a matter of what what we care about when it comes to diversity. The story is authentic to his life experiences and connects to you know, for me, it like it connects to my life experiences as a overly privileged I mean he's not gay, I don't think, but it's like he has a very gay sensibility or queerest sensibility. <laughs> <laughs> and They're
0: giving him the card.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah. He can you can, can have a little a <laughs> little bit of gay there. Outing Wes
1: Anderson on this podcast.
2: <laughs> but yeah. And, you know, it's upper middle class, like loneliness stuff. And, you know, it's that's just what the experience is. You know, I love uh, Dave Foster Wallace, which has a very similar feeling, but even like more pretentious things. But anyways, I mean, you two will be like, yeah, this is absolutely your one's the Timothy Chalamet story in it. The second one is <sighs> is a French school rebellion where his I think his student name is like Zafridi. And he runs like a student (laughs) society and they're like, he's writing his manifesto and he's like, we're rebelling against the police and whatnot. So they have a barricade against the police. And then they're playing a chess game over megaphone with the police, like telling their moves to each other uh, things. And I'm just like, I am in love. But the real twist of it is Frances McDormand, who is immaculate in it, is the reporter and it's her illicit relationship with Timothy Chalamet's character he's like, you're, you know, this amazing reporter and I'm, you know, the student rebellion. are like, are you going to write the story? And there's just an amazing funny line where he's like, can you read these pages of my manifesto and edit them? And she's like, sure. And uh, she's like, okay, here's some prompts. Here's some things. He's like, oh, I thought you were just going to like say how awesome it was, right? <laughs> and she just goes back into bed with him and she's like, no. And he's like, I love how ruthless you are. And I'm just like
1: <laughs> I just Frances McDormand is a whole ass like 50 year old woman. And oh yeah. Timothy Chalamet looks like the ghost of a Victorian teenager.
2: Yeah, and I mean he's supposed to be playing a high schooler here.
1: So that's vaguely upsetting.
2: Oh yeah. Um, a lot of illicit so- relationships at playing as a teenage
0: character for uh, for Tim- Timothy Chalamet yeah. here. Uh, Falling yeah, in love with cannibals. True. Cannibals. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Army hammer.
0: So. Uh, I, I feel like this is stuck in my head. How many Wes Andersons is Tilda Swinton in at this point? Like, oh, at least eighty percent. But Adrian Brody's in almost everyone too. Yeah, I feel yeah, like Adrian I feel Brody. Like,
1: I would say is in more of them.
0: I feel like more than any director, uh, Wes Anderson collects faces mm-hmm. that that he that, that are like mm. angular and eye catching. Although t- uh, Tim Burton, yeah, we don't th- talk about uh, Tim Burton,
1: the man who said his aesthetic doesn't fit black people so he'll never cast uh, one in one of his movies
2: yeah did he actually say that oh god i thought yeah, it was just no, someone he didn't. on the periphery he didn't,
1: he didn't say like i'll never cast black people he said his aesthetic doesn't work for people of color and that's yeah. why he hasn't cast them in any of his movies which is the same thing
2: yeah but he although he literally only has like four actors he works with and just yeah. rearranges them
0: johnny depp <laughs> well, and, and his wife
1: No, no, because they're not together anymore. So uh, Helena Bonham Carter isn't in his movies anymore. (laughs) She's not his muse.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I think Wes Anderson, even more than Tim Burton, has like uh, like a, he probably collects faces. He's probably like a Hannibal Lecter character.
1: Woody Allen did the same thing. And so did thing is blank. But Woody Allen did the same thing. And honestly, I feel like Woody Allen has the same brand of pretentious whiteness and like. The longer his career has gone on, the less substance I've found in his films, and I feel very similarly about Wes Anderson. Like the early Wes Anderson films were genuinely, in like an accessible way, quite funny, but he was also writing them with Owen Wilson. Like his first three movies, he wrote with Owen Wilson, mm. and they are the better movies that he's done, and that includes like Royal Tenenbaums and I think Moonrise Kingdom is is one of his earlier ones that he did with uh, Owen Wilson, and they're legitimately funny. Wes Anderson is like New Yorker funny, but not like like real human funny. And I just feel like the more movies he makes, the narrower and more niche his audience gets. Unless you're just like, I like pretty colors, and like yeah, he does specific have that. white actors.
0: You you can't take away from Wes Anderson that like truly it like every frame is a painting. Uh, everything's framed like so symmetrically and colorfully, and for sure, like, it's beautiful. Like, his movies oh, yeah.
1: are, are beautiful looking, but I just don't feel any yeah. real connection. There's
2: technical reasons I disagree in that. Yeah, I think Moonrise Kingdom is his actually his latest movie. That that was it's either the one just before Grand Budapest or the one just after it, but that it's those are his last two uh, real life ones. Um, no,
1: and then you had Isle of Dogs, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think, came. After that, and so did, um, I thought Isle of Dogs came after that, too. Uh, no, T- Fantastic Moonrise Mr. Fox Kingdoms. came
2: before. I'm pretty sure.
1: Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie by Wes Anderson then. I can't remember mm-hmm. what his earliest ones are.
2: I uh, had Darjeeling Express, I think, in Royal Tenenbaums, and then Bottle Rocket.
1: Bottle Rocket. Um, and it's Darjeeling Limited, which has yeah. Owen Wilson in it.
2: But yeah, I mean, yeah, I... I...
1: Oh, it's, Ru- it's, it's Rushmore. It's Bottle Rocket, Rushmore. Oh, right, Royal I Tenenbaums. forgot about Rushmore.
2: I've never seen Rushmore. Yeah, I.
1: They all bleed uh, into the French
2: Dispatch. Just, just super, super worked for me. I felt like all the actors like really outdid their characters like so well, and I just felt like so much. So yeah, it just it worked really well for me. I understand it's it's a very things, but I I like a a director who's it's almost that it's less personal. Like in a way, his like Royal Tenenbaum seems like it's probably autobiographical about sort of his family. This one it couldn't actually be people he knows, or it's unlikely. Like these are art critics writers and like people in weird different scenarios but that's that's to my personal taste you know i'm not saying it's necessarily makes it a great work of art i'm just saying for me personally i think it's one that i can really see myself going back to which i don't feel about any of his other movies except maybe royal tenenbaums that, then I went to the bar with my friend after, and he's also like a oh, right. PhD student. Circular. Yeah, he's also, or he he's still a PhD student. I, I dropped out, and we just got to talk about it after. And he left uh, for a bit in the middle of the movie, so I was afraid he was like trying to like take a breather because he was hating it so much. But he just needs to go to the washroom during movies. Afterwards, he's like, "No, I loved it too," and I'm like, "Thank God, so we could talk about it." You
0: really overthought that. You really overthought the washroom break. And
2: it's just it, it was the way he got up and talk like and was saying like I I gotta go too like it's just i just I sensed, to... <laughs> I sensed a
0: vibe
1: i just i need to relieve need,
0: myself of this movie
1: <laughs> i need to get the fuck out of here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i was wrong
2: and, and, I, and we we had a great time hmm.
0: so that was awesome i feel like i don't have as illustrious a story of what i've what i've yeah. been watching I this don't. last little while I've
1: been <laughs> sitting on my couch like a fucking loser it just flowed out from what
2: uh yeah what we were talking about
0: no no it no i was gonna say it's thorough i like your perspectives on things that for me oftentimes I feel like I'm on the outside of.
2: What is that? What do you mean?
0: <clears throat> um, I don't think I've, I don't think I'm often in on the joke with a lot of West. Oh yeah. Sure. Um, um, you, you're talking about West. Uh, in
2: particular. I thought you meant in general, like the movie going experience with friends or something. <laughs> and I was like, what?
0: well, not to. <laughs> well, let's just say this is my movie going experience with friends. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I joke. Well,
1: no, we'll have, we'll have our little pod date.
0: <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah. We're going to meet in, in person for the first time. This December it Sounds like we were assigned uh, to,
2: to a group project.
1: Not for the first time ever.
0: <laughs> we have never met before, <laughs> any of us. All three of us met on Tinder by accident. Uh, don't ask how.
1: What a great origin story that would be.
0: Also, we're all very attractive. Oh
1: my God. In real life, we are so hot, it's oh unreasonable. Yeah.
0: Digitally, We should have done a
1: YouTube channel. <laughs>
0: working on it. You can see the <laughs> scent lines coming off me like Peanuts oh, character. <laughs> I, I did not get up to too much watching, unfortunately, uh, but I did watch a couple things that, or I did watch something that is a personal, I guess it's not fair to call The Shining, like, a personal, like, favorite. It's everyone, <laughs> everyone's fucking favorite movie, for you. but no one's ever heard of this small indie movie. Well, hold but I on. Did...
1: <laughs> is it the Kubrick film, or is it the 1990 remake miniseries that Stephen King directed?
0: <laughs> I, okay, so two things. I was not aware of that. <laughs> So and bad. I will never watch it. <laughs> it's,
1: okay, so here's the thing. The remake miniseries is objectively closer to the book. Like it is a better retelling of the book.
0: Oh, it would have to be. so
1: for so for huge <clears throat> fans of the Shining, they probably like it a lot more, but it's fucking awful. That's like be it's real. just the hottest take to say that you like. <laughs> The miniseries better than the Kubrick movie, just on a film and entertainment level.
0: Let's let's be honest. If if you're a the the audience for the Shining miniseries is Stephen King, period.
1: Well, and Stephen uh, he... King fans. Stephen <clears throat> King fans will all like. I'm in a lot of um, horror groups on mm. Facebook. It's like the only reason I use Facebook, which is oh, don't quite, out yourself. Still kind of depressing, but I'm in a bunch of them, and. <laughs> Whenever it gets brought up, which is not uncommon among horror fans, anyone who's a Stephen King fan is always like, "Well, the miniseries is so much better because it's Jesus. like the Kubrick film isn't even The Shining. Uh, like, he shouldn't blow even out be your calling ass. it The Shining." And it's like, no
0: one cares.
1: <laughs> objectively, you're correct. The Kubrick film is nothing like the book. They probably shouldn't necessarily call it The Shining, but like, it is it is an objectively better film. Like, I, I, it's that's ridiculous the thing I love about to this- say otherwise.
0: So, like, I've been writing a novel for for a couple of years, um, and I'm pretty far along, and I'm, like, I'm pretty, like, I've got some strong opinions about author intent, and, like, authorial intent, sorry, and, like, that kind of stuff, but part of my secret love about The Shining is that having read The Shining and seen the movie The Shining, I love that Kubrick was just, like, nah, fuck this book. I've got a better idea. <laughs> he's just, well, he's so, just ripped the name. The <laughs> there's,
1: only, a couple, um,
0: there's a couple concepts that tr- that transfer between oh, the yeah. two. But like for the most part, he's just like, nah, I got a creepy hotel. I've got Jack Nicholson. We'll just make it work. And he did. I
1: only really have like two legitimate criticisms about Kubrick's Shining because I do think it is a really like it's a very good film. It
0: would be oh, hot take bizarre there.
1: for me to say it's not. Um, So Jack Nicholson. In The Shining. His performance was great, but my issue is he starts off, like, fucking psychotic. So there's just, like, nowhere to go. Whereas in the book, (laughs) the character is, like, a man who used to be an abusive alcoholic, who is recovering from his alcoholism and trying to reconnect with his family and be better. And then he slowly devolves back into his, like, insane abusive alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's... Kind of an arc that's interesting. It's clearly a Stephen King author self insert because he was a raging alcoholic when he wrote this book. But no, it's an interesting, like, you have like a dip, right? You have an up and a down, so that there's somewhere to go when like he just starts off absolutely batshit right in the beginning. It's like, okay, this is two and a half hours of just pure, unadulterated rage insanity, and that's a little much. And then Shelley Duvall's Wendy. I mean, Kubrick annihilated that character. He turned her into like the whiniest, weakest little girl version of the character in the book, who was kind of a badass. Like she was he, a pretty he's intense. He totally infantilized
0: lady. her. Yeah, he totally infantilized her.
2: And well, not to mention, of course, that Shelley Duvall, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, is, well, yeah,
2: Kubrick absolutely tortured on terribly. scene. There's yeah. been so much has been revealed since then, and you should look it up. It was bad. Oh no, but I've seen it. Kubrick yeah. has was so bad to so many actors it's it's absolutely insane and it goes back to the conversation we've had many times so probably shouldn't reiterate here but it's about like directors and how terrible they are to their cast and crew and whatnot like how should that play into our feelings towards the actual art because obviously Kubrick has made lots of good. yeah
1: Kubrick definitely took influence from Hitchcock on how to treat your actors like absolute fucking dog shit
0: yeah I think I think for me my bottom line is that uh he's dead now I get to laugh at him post-mortem and all the people who he mistreated get to get to be like, ha-ha, I outlived you. But the point I was trying to make was that uh, The Shining, really cool. Um, Jack Nicholson starts off at 100, and he continues <laughs> all the way to 200 yeah. when, given, on the crazy scale.
1: He's given an almost... Nicholson, there was kind of performance yeah. <laughs> like just fucking. There's no unhinged. leash.
0: There's no leash. I feel like I feel like his 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 hotel room for the shooting was literally just a cocaine mountain, and everyone else had like a shitty trailer. And every day they're just like Jack Nicholson, your cocaine deliveries here, and they dumped another cement truck worth of cocaine there. But like no one needs to say anything about The Shining, right? Everyone's seen that thing a million times. Uh, first, the the thing that I watched that um, to to follow up on that was dr sleep mm-hmm. which is supposed to be ah, l- like, like a spiritual it. successor pre uh, sequel sorry well it is um,
1: it is actually a legitimate sequel there's a dr yeah, sleep yeah. book that came out like 20 years after the shining was written by stephen king
0: yeah yeah the, uh, it was past the point where i was reading him anymore but um just be I, I not for any reason other than i found a new series of books i wanted to get into but I I missed Doctor Sleep when it came out. I was pretty averse to like seeing sequels of things because I was like, "Is this a cash grab?" It was it was a palatable movie. It was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, good. you can you can tell, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but you can tell that Flanagan has like a deep love for Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, he's um, very and much. And you can see it, it in everything he does. Yeah, everything he does, yeah. has like big Stephen King, Cla- Stephen King like weird East Coast influence. But Doctor Sleep, I think, was good. It was certainly the better of the modern King adaptations. Um, I liked it yeah. even more than the uh, It movies, which I really didn't like much at all, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, I was actually really surprised how much I liked it. Like, some of the special effects were pretty pretty terrible. Um, and, like, there's a big shootout in the middle of the movie that felt... Like it was injected in from a different type of movie. Uh, I really like that they they put like a like a child star as like the powerhouse. Like they got this young actress to be like the 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 one who's got the biggest shine. Uh, Ewan McGregor plays like a pretty good second to her, even though his American accents really fuzzy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Rebecca Ferguson, phenomenal. I'm starting to see her in more things, and she's just like. I can't deal. She's so gorgeous. I know,
1: and she's and a great actor. She's so actress. fucking
0: talented. Yeah. So fucking talented. They gave her a really difficult role to like really sell, and even then, she was terrifying. Yeah. The hat didn't do her any favors. No, um, it didn't. For selling the horror, but no, well, it was really they're, cool.
1: They're trying to do the like Romani traveling people kind of vibe. Which oh yeah. It's not great in today's day and age. Doesn't play awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> So the costuming is like not helping and the fact that the majority of their trailers have like a weird Barnum and Bailey circus kind of vibe to them instead of just like actual traveling people's homes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a there's almost a circusy vibe and it's like it's too kitschy to be proper Romani and it's too American to be anything but circus.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it very much feels like the Romani as a as a costume you buy in spirit Halloween a little bit yeah yeah but that's, that's everyone's got neckerchiefs like the vibe in, it's it's the vibe in the book i mean look i i have loved stephen king books for years and years and years mm-hmm. i still read them but like you can't pretend that there aren't hugely problematic elements to his books especially his earlier books or like his mid yeah. sort of mid in his career books because there's a lot of cultural appropriation there's a lot of like slurs vague homophobia a lot of fat What's well, not so vague so it's like, you know.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely like a product of his times. And like he doesn't smell like a shit person. He just smells like an old guy who is like
1: yeah, I mean, very he's slowly like letting go of things. Now, yeah. You know. But yeah. his, I mean, if you if you read this stuff that like his stuff that's come out recently, it's better written than the stuff he was putting out like ten years ago, and it's significantly less problematic. Like it does seem like as He's gotten older, he's sort of like educated himself or something, and maybe that's due to his sons who are both also authors, I don't know, but he's he sort of understood the changing of the times and has and has yeah. grown with that. But there there's a very significant period of his career that like if you're just getting into Stephen King for the first time, you're gonna find a lot of really fucked up problematic shit.
0: Um. Well, that was the that was the thing about him. I I remember a lot of his earlier stuff. And I always remember it being like, so clearly American, like growing up in Canada, like reading it, I remember it being like, these are very American fears. These are very American thoughts, like there's so much talk of the other, but not in the way of like, you know, overt racism, but always just like, his writing was always influenced by the the tropes of the times he grew up in um Mm -hmm. and the the the, you know the beliefs the verbiage and now it's i think i read a a stephen king like not even i think 2019 and yeah like it's so clear that he's just lived more
1: Mm -hmm. well and outside of his bubble right like he's he's oh yeah he still lives in like maine and stuff but like he's been more and more he's been outside of the east coast and like around a lot of different people and his sons are both authors and they're writing for like modern audiences so I do think he's educated himself and like come to greater understanding but yeah I mean you go mm-hmm. back and read it now and it's, it's rough to get through that ending is tough and hugely weird it is a weird <laughs> thing that an yes. adult man wrote yeah no. there's
0: definitely some you can pathologize him pre- well he puts it out there
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah well i mean every book is also an author self-insert like every fucking male character in those books is is just him at a different phase of Uh his addiction like he's a raging alcoholic or he's a massive narcissist or he's just doing blow every 15 fucking seconds and now he's like sober and mostly like a functional member of society and his writing is very different than the early stuff
0: yeah no absolutely Unfortunately, that's the bulk of what I got around to watching, but...
1: Let me do one. Yeah, please do. In fairness, I don't actually have anything good to talk about, but... my God. I I binged the entirety of The 100.
2: That's right. On Netflix. Well... Jesus. I watched
1: watched all of that, baby.
2: We chatted about it a bit. And it was
1: not good. It was not great. First of all, you can really feel that that whole thing was filmed in Canada. Mm. Like, it's very distinctly obvious that it's B.C. Maybe it's not for non-Canadians, but it's, like, wild how much it feels like it's filmed in Canada. And there's a lot of Canadian actors in it. It starts off with, like, a fairly cool premise, but like many a sci-fi, it devolves into something that feels like a Christian message. Mm. Like so many a Ridley Scott film just devolves into Christianity but space Christianity is the only way that the human race will survive um, and that's what the 100 does uh, I am yeah. going to spoil that one because I don't think anybody cares but basically the ending is just the next step into human evolution turns out to be like a judgment day where they get tested by Lord this Almighty. ethereal alien race uh, to determine this, whether they're worthy to become my God. part of this Dianetics?
0: them Is this Dianetics? Is this Scientology?
1: No, it feels very much like just a Christian thing. (laughs) I mean, maybe, but it really does just feel like a Christian message because they basically get raptured when they're determined to be worthy and they turn into these like glowing golden orbs that float up into the sky and they become like one with all of these other Beings that have also passed the test and were deemed worthy. So it's literally just like Christianity. And then a few of them decide, I'm going to come back and hang out with the only one that didn't get raptured because we're buds and they can never have children because the human race is now part of space heaven. And that's how the 100 ends.
0: (laughs) Man, space heaven is like my least favorite sci-fi trope. Nothing is less interesting. Right?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Honestly, honestly, yeah. it's so bad. It gets like it's weird because this show is like it's like not great in the first season. It's pretty corny. Yeah, um, and then it gets like, get, like passively good for a CW yeah. show for like the. Middle I genuinely seasons. think
2: season two is a really good season of television.
1: It is. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Because it's, like, it's, like, a decent show for the, co- like, mm-hmm. next couple of seasons, and, and then the, it's just yeah.
2: rough. All the characters in season two aren't, like, tainted yet either. Like, they all still kind of make sense. Their storylines from season one is still corny, but well, they, it's they like, haven't
1: committed, like, 75 genocides at that yeah. point.
2: Or, but it's not <laughs> even just, like, the fact that what they do is actually atrocious, but it's also, like, their their characters are just erratic. Like, they don't make any sense after a certain point. Like, they're just making crazy decisions all the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's season two really is the the highlight for me. It's about halfway through season three, where a lot of stuff with this AI stuff comes in, where I just... That B-plot... I mean, it's the A-plot kind of by the end of the season, but it's like... Yeah, it just felt off the rails already by that point. And also, I didn't to Also, this continue. show...
1: This show starts off basically with, like, there was an apocalypse on Earth. Everyone, like, what, who was already in space stayed in space. And then they're like, okay, well, the spaceship is not going to function anymore, so we have to go back to Earth. So that's basically the premise of how they go back to Earth. Or I guess why. we
2: should have known. Wasn't the spaceship called the Ark?
1: Yeah. So yes. Are you fucking yeah. kidding yeah. Probably me? We should have yes.
2: realized it was going to be a Christian message by the end. <laughs>
0: You yeah. should have noticed the day that ha- the, the, the the ship was introduced. <laughs> this is our um, ship, the Ark of the Covenant.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: the Ten Commandments. The ship.
1: This world-ending event that occurs that causes them to be in space, but then there's like two or three other world-ending events mm. that happen while they're on the planet. So, like at one point, they have to go back into space. They go down into a bunker. A, they go to another planet because they found a portal, and you can't live on Earth anymore. <laughs> like, the the amount of apocalypses that this planet has oh. endured from, like, a fifth of the percentage of the total population of Earth is in, pure insanity. It's absolutely nuts.
0: You want to talk about, like, white American fear?
1: <laughs> mm. Oh, my God. Every, Honestly. Every
0: couple years, new rapture. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I do want to say, like, I do want to express, like, a bit of, like, why at the time, like, the show was so popular Pop, right? It's around the Hunger Games era. And I, I really do think it takes, like, one of the most uh, understandable trajectories with that. Like, we're in a post-blocked apocalyptic sphere, and the characters are different aspects of survival. Like, whether that's moving towards leadership and, like, how to coordinate a people versus survivalists mm. who are interested in, like, how can I survive alone and fuck, like, society, And then other people who are, like, either diplomatic or militaristic and whatnot. So, like, you know, there's one angle of that, which is uh, the later, like, Walking Dead stuff about, like, how to survive in a community. But this was very much in that area. And I think it just feels, to me now looking back, it really feels like the most standard version of that possible. Yes, there's all sorts of sci-fi tropes, too, but it really just, like, sits in there. Whereas Hunger Games... it was definitely the height of that type of thing. But it was also, it had yeah. this crazy game aspect to it. So it's like, you're not really just a girl with a bow hunting stuff. Like, no, you're actually in like a crazy dystopian society that you have to deal with.
0: Yeah. We gamified apocalypse. This is one, this one's really
2: about survival itself.
1: I think one of like the weirdest choices was at one point they find like other survivors of the Ark. So like they send the 100 down and then the Ark basically crashes into Earth and like different stations fall in different areas. So they find other survivors of one of the other stations and they've basically formed like a weird mini dictatorship. And they're just trying to like kill and conquer and colonize the people that are natively living on this land already, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is very American of them, but like their dictator leader is one of the only two black people in the show that are like from the arc, and not the native people already living there. And it just feels like super weird that they made the co- like the super hardcore colonizer character, like one of the only yeah. people of color that isn't native to the planet. I'm like that They
0: probably realized what they were doing and they're like we got to snip this off. We got to we got to make this look less obvious.
1: <laughs> it's it, it was it just felt like the wrong choice. It's like
0: how the whole idea of like heaven has an exclusivity kind of like club an an exclusive membership club is kind of like a Jehovah's witness thing, right?
2: Uh, Yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses. There's like a, a, there's a distinct limit to the amount of people who can get to heaven and there's a rapture.
0: Yeah. Like how, how close to the, do you think to the, to the guff of Jehovah's belief,
1: Jehovah's no, witness beliefs? This feels no? very like standard Christianity.
0: Like stock standard. Cause like, it's, it's
1: okay. everyone. Like once they pass the test, it's, everyone that is human and it doesn't matter which planet they're on because at this point they're on like three different planets they all get raptured into space heaven except for clark the main character
0: do they want to get raptured i'm sorry i did not see the show but i'm like
1: Well basically it's the only option once you enter the test so once you say you're gonna partake in the test it's either you get ra- you get deemed worthy and you get raptured or they unleashed this weird crystallizing substance into the air and then you turn into like crystal fossils and you all die so like the only option is every human just dies horribly or they get taken through the next stage of evolution and become part of space heaven
0: and this has nothing to do with Scientology
1: <laughs> yeah it really feels like just standard like Christianity <laughs> like yes there's a al- but it's not about having alien the standard crystallization in your body test. that you have to
2: Right there. And then no, the yeah,
0: standard alien crystallization test. The rapture is, test. you either
1: get raptured or you get left behind and you go to hell. So it's like, it it, hmm. it just feels like pretty regular mm-hmm. Christian shit. Because there's no, like, thetans. There's no, like, <laughs> ghosts being, ghost aliens being thrown into a fucking volcano. Like, there's oh, not, not that yet. shit.
0: You have to wait till next season.
1: It's just, like, God alien comes down to judge whether you're worthy. And if you are, you all go to Space Heaven. And if you're not, hmm. your entire species gets wiped out.
2: I just want to this sort of relates, but it's like a I'm not enjoying the fantasy book I'm reading right now. But the one that I read just Ooh. before it. Slam it. For book club. Um, but the one I just read just before it, I it took me a oh, while. Fuck, I forgot about
1: I, the book club book.
2: I'm I really enjoyed it in that one. It's uh the Tower of Babel series. Josiah like Bancroft, the first one's called uh Senlin Ascends, and it's about this like tower in the middle of a desert which has like a bajillion levels like an uncountable number of levels up but like people know of like 50 of them and each one is like a whole society and what's funny with the test thing that you're talking about is like the first level is kind of this kind of thing where you're asked to like act out a scenario that changes each month and so you have to for a month like act as a certain character and if you've fulfilled your character well enough they'll let you up to the next level but if you don't then you're sent back down and you can't ascend the tower and like check out other things. And that one's actually my favorite level that they've shown so far because it had this weird, like metaphysically kind of like, is this some kind of like test of like, are you a good person or like, what does this mean? Like, and what does it mean to like act out another character for a month and like do it well or whatever. It, it was cool. Cool. Book uh, I was
0: going to say that actually does sound really cool.
2: What, what's the series? Uh, the tower of Babel books weird. by Josiah Bancroft. Okay the trilogy i believe i'm going to get the what second and third name?
1: yeah that sounds which pretty which is neat. biblical um,
2: <laughs> so relates
1: okay. well yeah 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 i get the relation anyway uh the 100 is is trash but for at least part of it it's hot trash so and i love i love some hot trash yeah. so
2: it is very okay. hot trash it is the it is a steaming oh, yeah. fire like you're 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 watching it <laughs> the whole time it's a spectacle yeah.
1: it's rough but you know something to do
0: yeah. Yeah. During these times, nothing better.
1: Right? S- yeah. Something to do. I uh
0: <laughs> I actually had so much time on my hands this last little while that so I'm running a and d campaign that's been going on for quite some time now. And uh I spent like 2 to 4 hours last week I made an alphabet nice. and a and a numbering system and a currency system Nice. and then I spent a long time in like a raster raster like font creator making a digital version (laughs) of the alphabet so that I can type codes to my players that they have to decipher
1: okay Zodia I should have just watched calm down
0: wow okay listen (laughs) no one's digging into anyone else's past why dig into mine (laughs) um (laughs) listen I had a lot of time you watched 100 I I made an alphabet
1: (laughs) honestly your sound's a lot more productive um (laughs) And that was, that was one other thing I wanted to hit on with the 100. The language in the 100 yes. is written by the same person who wrote the Dothraki language yep. in Game of Thrones who created that language. And at first when I was watching the 100, I was like, man, this is a fucking lazy-ass language. Like mm. it's clearly rooted in English and like half the words are just straight-up English but in like a different ordering. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then they address it in like season five or six. Oh, you
0: mentioned that language. Yeah.
1: And talk about how the language is rooted in English and it's a variation off something like Cajun. And then as soon as they started talking in this language again, and I was like, motherfucker, like there are full on (laughs) real like Cajun phrases in this language. I was like, "It's just like a more complex.
2: Yeah, I always thought the grounder language is actually really cool. It expands to something similar.
1: I think the thing that bothered me about the grounder language is that there's like 13 or 12 different tribes, but they yeah. all speak the exact same yeah. dialect right. and they all speak English in addition to this like language. Mm-hmm. And it's been 300 years since the language was first created and there's been no different dialects created. There's been no variation on it and it's never gotten more complex or evolved in any way yeah. because they showed you gotta me go the full first or nothing. person. Yeah, well, but yeah they, you have to go
0: all the they way. They
1: show you the first person who spoke the fucking language, mm-hmm. and it's the same language. It's it has, it's been unchanged in, like, hundreds of years. There's been no linguistic evolution, and there's been no different dialect creation among these 12 tribes. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That's yeah. not at all how language works.
2: It's a YA. The fact that they have a language at all is pretty impressive. Yeah.
1: Though they didn't in the book at that time. That was It was yeah. written for the show.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My, my hard opinion on languages is always, if you are not going to commit, just don't. You know, like, why? If you're not digitally it's, it's rastering
2: kinda... your font, I mean. Well,
1: no. Well, like, but, like, <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? show like, the origin it... of it so that anyone who's, like, even moderately interested in languages is going to be like, what the fuck? How is it, how is it yeah. not changed at all? Because that's Well, and, like, and
0: why, why use it? English synonymously with a language that is f- made up. Right? Like if, if 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 only to confuse the viewers, like well and
1: it, it started it started as uh only our warriors speak English, which I is fine, whatever. <laughs> but then like by like mid season two, just fucking everybody's speaking it nobody's speaking Trigetis Lang, which is this other language nobody's speaking it until there's got like, over it. other people who don't speak it and then they start to speak Trigetta slang. And it's like, okay, so it's just, a, ostensibly it's just a code language. It's not a real yeah. language that anyone is like objectively using.
0: I really I relate a lot of things to D&D because it's what I know best, but like D&D sub- deals with that similarly by having common. Common is a language that everyone speaks. Regardless of where they're from or whatever, and then you have your your own regional languages, but it, but again, it's used the same way. It's just like, oh, they don't want it, you to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just just make everyone speak English. It's fine. Honestly, and then maybe they'll speak with like like clicks or hand signs because like that sounds like something that like would be pretty cool for like a I guess pre-rapture Earth post-apocalypse post-rapture
1: pre-rapture.
0: Rapture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, go primitive, go like all the way down to like the fundamentals.
1: So, have you watched anything else, Joseph, now that we had the 15-minute rant on the 100?
2: Yeah, I did. I did uh watch a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to think of like what. I don't feel too strongly about a lot of these, so I think I might just do a quick rapid fire of a couple more and then maybe we'll... So, I did watch the the big one that's been going on today, which recently, which is Arcane, the League of Legends show which I used to play League of Legends a ton. So it's like I do have some care for it. I don't really care about the lore or whatever. But video game adaptions have been like historically pretty bad. Honestly, 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 I was not that excited for it. And I still didn't emotionally feel that connected to it. But I've got to admit it is a phenomenally made show. It is such an interesting storyline, such good character depth. And the best Western animation style. Like I have ever seen, like it is so beautiful. So unique. It really gives me that feeling when I, when I love an anime for its animation, I almost never get that feeling for American animation. Like I just, it's always childish or just, you know, uh, not, um, you know, adult animation is often just made to be funny or like chunky, like whatever. Um, absurd.
0: It's, yeah. rudimentary. It's simple. It's obtuse. This
2: is actually like, this is a style that I could see being used to make amazing fantastical worlds sci-fi worlds whatnot, because it's painterly and allows for magical elements. It's all it's cgi'd but it's it's cgi and characters who are like very painted looking uh like concept arty, digital arty.
0: this is the one on netflix yeah. correct
2: it just finished coming out
0: i think i saw the, the like you know how when you linger on an icon it plays like a, the trailer in the back i saw that and it was phenomenally eye-catching like i uh i don't want to i don't want to put any money super
2: well constructed it's crazy and the characters are emotion have emotional depth i'm like they did everything right. I just don't care about this type of storyline that much. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I I cannot fault them at all. Like 10 out of 10 show.
0: I don't I don't want to ever put money or praise in their pockets like knowing what right games and yes, like their and and all that shit is. So I, I probably won't get into it, but yeah, like that fucking trailer alone, like the animation style, like my first thought was like what was the Spider-Man one yep, that came into out? Yeah, Spider-Man. Like that's, spider. that's what I said too.
2: It, it very it, much feels like that. like that. It was
0: like that it was like that but higher fidelity like it was sharper with like it's less experimental more yeah, yeah but it, it had like really moody use of color and like just really unique character it never design. lets up either. Um, like
2: it is like that's another thing because mm-hmm. they're using cgi like all the characters are fully fleshed out every scene all the time all movement flows well it's honestly mm-hmm. just stunning
0: oh yeah so i, I i'm tempted to watch yeah. it believe me um, so I just, I had really no good.
2: expectations going in, and I've just got to admit, like, great job. It, it exists.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also finished. That's a birthday card. <sighs> That's a birthday card you just wrote. Great job. It exists. <laughs> Happy birthday.
2: I also watched one that Lydia's been like, recommending forever, which I finished What's Out of Servant, the and yes. Channel on show on Apple TV. And I really liked it. Do wish more was? explained by the end of the second season, but the show is very continuous. The seasons aren't an anthology. Like every season builds off the last, so they can't reveal everything. It, it all builds off each other. But the actual like feeling of the show, of this family, I'm not even sure. Lit is explained in previous episodes, so go back to, to talk about a few of those. But just to highlight a few things, I thought the cooking shots and whatnot is really cool. Like the husband is like this amazing chef. And he does like this really grotesque way of like just killing the things he's like uh, like he's like beats an eel at one of the early episodes and then like pulls off its skin. Because that's how you cook it, I guess. And it's just it's it's a cool way to make disturbing footage in a scene.
0: Is this a real eel?
2: I mean, I don't know. but
1: I don't think he's killing an actual live eel yeah. on camera for this television show.
2: That's terrifying. But it's it's really well done. Um, and just mm. really, it's it's so clearly the shots are really beautiful and everything like that. It almost all takes place in their one house. It's a beautiful like a uh, brownstone in, I think it's New York. So it's like in a way the budget can be very much focused on that, but it like, it allows it to feel beautiful like the whole time. Mm. So that was great. And then last one I want to do is I binged watched like instead of a move in lieu of a movie. I didn't realize how short this was, but uh, me and my friends watched. Uh, Over the Garden Wall, the animated 10-episode series, of 10-minute episodes each. So it's about the length of a movie. And uh, it was excellent. I was really impressed. Everyone's always said it's really impressive and really good. But I agree. I thought it's a charming idea of, like, fairy tale-esque lore with darkness, but actually a realistic twist on sort of two real brothers and their experience going into this. I've seen some video essays after about it and people have theories about everything in the show and everything. And that's, that's a great space for like modern fairy tale stuff where all the different creatures and symbols uh, can mean different things to different people. Most notably is uh, a lot of people really take it as a view of depression that it's about one of the brothers um, fall into like disenchantment with life and, and self seclusion and, and how, might get out of that and that his other brother is actually a joyous young kid who just loves doing stuff but that gets him into trouble but like how is that a problem that it gets him into trouble sometimes he's just a kid you know so really well done and so yeah I I watched a lot of stuff that I have been really impressed with recently and also finished Foundation which I was exactly what I said last episode but I, I was impressed all the way to the end so just super super happy with like everything I've been watching recently so yay
0: I um I actually do have something that, that somewhat tangentially splits off that. Um if you want to talk about things that are like open for interpretation and like deep with symbols then doesn't try to explain any of them. Uh but I watched a really strange Icelandic movie called Lamb.
1: Ooh, oh I that... have been meaning to see that. The latest of the A twenty fours.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I was say, uh, isn't that the Nicolas Cage one? It's like no, that's no. the other animal. <laughs> no,
1: that's
0: big. Um, yeah, the other animal. Uh I don't I'm not gonna endorse this movie. Mm. I'm not Is it gonna I think it's really disturbing. It. I don't uh I heard it was just distur- really boring. it's boring. It's, it's very disturbing. There's either very realistic or very real violence on animal not like violence, like they're not but there's like um a scene where they're like they're like snipping the tops of like lambs' ears and it looks like they're getting uh Numi to just like the camera's zoomed in and she's just cutting the tips of ears off lambs. It's fuck. There's blood. Um, it's very boring. <laughs> it's... um. What can I say about it? It is beautifully shot. It's very moody. It's one of the few movies that really makes the setting into a kind of a character of its own. Uh, in that these, like, fjords. These, these like, huge, like... Um, this valley that the family's farm is in. It really does isolate them both in like the space of most of the shots um, which are generally they're actually pretty close in they let the actors do a lot of the work but when they're not they're further out and you can see basically just this huge empty like treeless vista usually always like foggy and rainy and dark but the movie like it it trundles along and it it's a kind of a family drama but with surreal fairy tale elements in it and Mm. you start to get the feeling that it's moving towards a like a kind of a fairy tale, like parable, like an Aesop's Fables kind of climax where it's bisecting this family drama and like looking at its guts. And instead it ends on the most uh, non-sequitur, uh-huh. like personally, it felt like super disrespectful, like to the viewer. Like I, I watched this and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's okay, fine. <laughs> it like, it uh, I don't know. It had a lot of promise. I feel like it was really... You know, it was warming me up to, like, these really heady concepts that I was not yet ready to, to like, unpack. I'd have to think about or, you know, like, write down or something. And instead, it, like, no, we're just going to shoot it in the head. <laughs> like, we're just not, we're just going to put the movie down now. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's, um, I'm not even going to say it's, like, an A24 in that way. Like, it's not one of those. It it really is kind of uh, almost too experimental mm-hmm. for the company it stands amongst. Right. Speculation. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of like really great like scholarly essays right. about some of the imagery and the cultural relevance, maybe to Icelandic people. But uh, I don't know from an outsider perspective. Actually, from someone who's spent a long time like I, I've read I've read the prose Ada. I've, I've learned to speak some Icelandic. Like I like the culture. I hope to move there. Uh, <laughs> even with my understanding, it's, it was esoteric and like unapproachable. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't want to be solved, is what it felt like. But that kind of, uh, I don't know, do you guys feel like that's a decent lead into <laughs> the fun?
2: <laughs> no, but I, I, I honestly made me intrigued about Lamb to some degree. I understand it's going to be super boring. Like, I'm going in well aware of that, but I am intrigued of this idea of, like, what this non sequitur idea intrigues me and in, in how, how it's I failed.
0: I actually can't say anything mm-hmm. because if I say what the non sequitur is. Yeah, no, for sure. it. Like it's not that it'll spoil the movie. It's that it'll make what you watch make less sense from the start. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should watch it. I don't know. Like if, if you really, if you're like dead set on like a moody, slow. I I just, I like
2: Mr. I like, I like when I don't, (laughs) I like when a review just tells me something where I'm like, Hmm, I don't understand if I know what you mean by that type of movie or like what makes that type of movie, what it is. And you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I, I love a good mystery. I love a good like not not as in like a well-constructed mystery. I mean, a mystery as in like a movie that I don't understand yet or a piece of media yeah. I don't understand yet. That's just something I and, I and look this
0: for. this fits that bill. It really does. Like it's I don't want to speak too terribly of it because like it, it's clear the person who directed it has chops. I don't I don't mm-hmm. really I think the other things he's done are almost strictly Icelandic. I don't think he's yeah. done anything else that's been quite as big. But yeah. Yeah, maybe you should watch it. It's what I will say is you might want to avert your eyes once or twice. Mm, yeah. There's, there's, I don't. Well, even during the yeah, very... that's a
2: sequitur to our movie. So I was like, I had mm. to do that a couple times for, for this one, <laughs> <clears throat>
1: just because of the bad acting alone. Yeah.
2: No. Oh yeah, uh, Lydia, if you wanted to introduce the movie,
0: rip it apart, do it.
1: I mean, I don't because this was my pick, and I'm honestly a little ashamed. But we did. Spiral from the Book of Saw with Chris Rock, directed by a man who has pretty much exclusively directed Twisted Pictures films.
0: Such as Saw.
1: Such as Saw 2, because Lee Winnell directed Saw 1 and starred in it and wrote it. But this man, Darren Lynn Boozman, directed Saw 2. But he also did Repo the Genetic Opera. Fair enough. Tales of Halloween, he did one of the segments on that. Abattoir, like just a bunch of shit horror movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a bunch of like Like (laughs) disappointing features. Uh, But Spiral from the Book of Saw stars Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson in a shamefully bit part, Mm -hmm. and Max Mingella in a role that I am sure he thought would make people take him at least somewhat seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly ineffective. Yeah, that's for man, That goes for all of them. The man Chris looks Rock like is... a 7 foot tall 14 year old boy. Mm-hmm. Shots are fine. So Max Mangella looks like.
2: I do want to say. So it's like. Yeah I ended off the movie saying this. It's like I do think the movie has like a fine normal saw structure. There are a bunch of puzzles. There are twists to be solved. You have to figure out like who the evil apprentice is. It's all this normal. How long did it take us? Yeah, Saw, saw tropes. Minutes. But, and, but with, a, with... Okay, so it's big twist is there's like a, a different political message now than in the previous Saw movies, uh, which was basically completely ineffectually conveyed in terms of like emotional impact. But you definitely got the message with the the amount yeah. of pigs that they show in the movie.
1: Yeah.
2: But yeah. Uh,
1: it was laughably aggressive. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's the... It's a movie with a message with a theme follows the right... Toast. But that's what I think is most disappointing about it is that like, it does not actually expand on the franchise or like do anything interesting. And certainly no. not from an artistic perspective. Like it is just an artistically abysmal feeling movie. And I think you that's where it really fails.
1: Something like absolutely crazy because it's a Saw film. It had to be submitted, like resubmitted to the MPAA 11 times in order to achieve an R rating uh, because it kept going over. It kept being like NC-17 Oh. So they had to cut a bunch of shit to, like, make it work. And yet, I watched this, and, like, there's for sure some gross stuff in it. Like, 100%, it's a Saw film. It's really But, gross. like, it is truly the tamest of all in the franchise. So, like, either this thing was yeah. wildly revolting, and they cut it down in a way that made it, like, painfully tame for a Saw film, or rating restrictions have gotten way tighter, I don't know, but it's yeah. insane to me that this was something grosser.
0: This sounds like a case of like the paranormal activity thing where it's like a bunch of people died watching this in theaters. It's that ba- it's that brutal. It's like I feel like that's probably just like studio execs being like, no one's gonna buy Chris Rock in a serious saw reboot detective movie. We need something. We'll just tell them that it was too gory
1: i'm honestly losing just losing my fucking mind thinking about the fact that this was pitched and partially written by chris rock in an effort to like redefine his career like he thought this was going to be the vehicle for him to take on more serious roles Mm -hmm. oh my god um,
0: i think the hard part about talking about this movie is that you can't talk about it like it's art you, there's nothing to dissect there's nothing to think about of course, it's a saw movie, but I mean like you also can't we're not used like to...
1: you can't talk about it like it's like ironically bad because it's not no, even a it's... good ironic watch like we're not at a level of bad like the room it's just like.
2: This, this is boring the, level of
1: mediocrity. Exactly.
2: It's fair what the name of it, but like the mediocrity curve where things are actually like five out of 10 are actually like the hardest to deal with because there's nothing to latch onto and say what's bad about this movie. It's just that it's so paint by numbers. All the kills are so tame by comparison to other Saw movies or stuff that you've seen. So it's like, it doesn't feel like it's moving in any direction like that, but it's neither like making the content more serious Chris Rock is way too jokey and hard to take seriously throughout the
1: whole movie. Same with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah,
2: but other characters are acting very, very seriously. So it's like you can't take it as like satire, either. Like there's enough competent acting that it doesn't move towards that like the the room level or anything like that. It never Campy becomes fun. Badness. Yeah, it never becomes fun that they're it's, acting badly or poorly.
0: This movie, it sits in my mind. It sits firmly in the category of like youtube fan film right of saw yeah like
2: i've seen some of these yeah like like youtube films and it does have that vibe
0: yeah and like that's the thing is like it it is like very very clearly super low budget there's like two sets like the budget clearly went to getting sam jackson to show up in two scenes but like the thing that fucks me up is that this movie isn't like a five it's like a four in everything so like the actual yeah. cinematography there's like numerous scenes where it's just like we need to show that Chris Rock is losing his mind. So there's a very, really close-up zoom-in shot, and the camera shakes very quickly left and right, yeah. and not in like a, not in like an After Effects yeah. way, like like some dude is shaking the camera, and Chris is just like grimacing and like ah, like screaming at the sky, and it, they do yeah. it like three, four times. The hands on the head but,
1: one was my favorite because they like yeah. cut out frames or like slowed down the frame rate, so it was like choppy too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like Oof. it's amateurish. It's like they got the dude's cousin to, to edit it at home in pro yeah. and like edit it, it in a it does
1: feel like a very early, super low budget first-time director indie film and they submitted it to like a local film festival, and it's like, okay, this yeah. guy might might like do something at some point. But we're talking about a director who's like firmly in his Gen X generation and has been making movies for like At least a decade and a half, uh, and this is what he came out with, which is just painful. The color grading, I think, is what like (gasps) irked me so fucking much. Yeah, you mentioned it a few times. This this is not like a new thing in like Hollywood's big on color grading in all of their movies. For whatever reason, the only way that they can show that somewhere is like below the equator or it's a particularly hot summer is by making everything orange. And there's like no other way to clearly like mark that it's fucking hot out. But the color grading in this is like so wildly inconsistent When they're outside or they're in the police station or they're in his apartment, it's orange. Like, everything's fucking orange. Um, But when they go down into the basement of the police precinct, everything's blue. When the killings are happening, everything's blue. Like, when Chris Rock is losing his mind, things turn green. It's like, you're clearly not saying anything specific with this color grading. You're not actually, like... like curating a message around this energy and this coloring and the imagery, you're just like doing things you've seen in other movies, but they don't make sense here.
0: I think, I think we're having a hard time dissecting this because we want to, like we we're using our our thinking brains. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I watched this and the whole time I was like, if I was the kind of person to go see like the new saw, in a theater, like I don't know, uh, one through ten or something. Even this would probably feel insulting because, like, there's so, like, okay, the plot. Chris Rock is a hard boiled detective.
1: Oh yeah, uh, they re- we never describe the plot.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so the plot is Chris Rock is a hard boiled detective. That's your first strike. <laughs> sure. Every every ten minutes or so, someone reminds him that he got his big break by outing a corrupt cop. Mm-hmm. They show that flashback at least four times. That, that corrupt cop only shows up in two scenes. There's Otherwise, a
1: lot of flashback filler that's, like, yeah. very unnecessary.
0: Yeah, like, it, it struggles to tell a very basic plot that the other, I don't know, 30 Zan movies have managed to do successfully. And, like...
2: Okay, I'm just going to jump in. I disagree. With, I actually think the plot, it is McFurface that they had the twist at the end. Everything was laid out. All the lines and all the flashbacks were relevant to what the actual plot was it's just it's just boring and obvious like what everything was
0: but that's that's the thing though right like it is it a success if you could guess the ending at the start it's structurally very coherent i just mean like like for for reference listeners we we guessed the killer in the first 15 minutes and that's not like hyperbole yeah but as i as soon as we yeah. met the character we were like we were like that's the guy
2: <laughs> yeah and it, and it made sense but i mean like you know, if you're if you're looking for that in a movie, you can't usually can
1: guess the, kill, the
0: killer in movies. Like, I just mean like you know. there wasn't much much meat. Yeah, other but we were right?
1: looking for it. That's well, was. the yeah, problem. Yeah, we weren't like,
0: yeah, like the meat of the story was like, you know, you come to Saw for the kills, you come to it for like the message, and this one was like, well, right out the you gates. don't it's come. Like,
1: that's not true. You don't come well, to no, Saw no. for the fucking message. Like, don't you don't come don't to learn about the power of friendship? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's
0: about uh, the like, power of friendship. You come
1: nine times out of ten. Look. Just that's right. The plot's like fairly coherent. It it's paint by numbers. It hits all its marks. It just does it in like the least imaginative way.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Possibly can. And part of that is inserting as many flashbacks as one 90 minute film can possibly hold. It's insane that this thing is 90 minutes and there's like five or six fucking flashback scenes
0: or more, more, more.
1: It's it's wild. So that's like a real problem for it. It moves really quickly but th- this is a plot that you really could have banged out in 60 minutes and they filled the rest in with flashbacks and like that's a that's a problem. But are people going to Saw movies for the narrative? No. I, I think we can say like pretty pretty clearly people are not going to see a Saw movie for the fucking narrative structure and like the message behind it. They're going to the Saw movie for like really cool kills and like Maybe the mystery, but this also does that part really poorly. The kills are I did both. I think wickedly yeah. tame in comparison. They very clearly did they also not look like use yeah, janky the same CGI.
2: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. Yeah. They, they just don't yeah. feel good.
1: Yeah. the see, the special effects team for like the majority of the Saw movies are a special effects team out of uh, Toronto, Canada, and they're phenomenally talented. They also did the practical effects for uh, the Hannibal television show. So like all of the like super stylized sculpture esque dead bodies in Hannibal were done by the same team. They're wickedly talented. They're amazing. They very clearly did not use the special effects team and like used no. really cheap CGI and like just kind of bottom of the barrel shit with it. And it's and it shows. It super the first shows kill
0: especially you you see the guy's tongue in the trap and it and it looks like a like a pastry.
1: Yeah. You see it in the box when it gets delivered to Chris yeah. Rock and I look I he opened that and I was like what the
0: fuck it's is that? It's just a muffin. Yeah.
1: I'm like it looked like a piece of pastrami with like shitty fake blood on it. It was so bizarrely bad. And like the acting is just hammy for the mo- it's either really dull or like really hammed up but like not in an entertaining way. Chris Rock is just not good. I think
2: one of the things, too, is that the cinematography, it's like, now that I think, like, we we're talking about, like, how it looks kind of youtube and it's like, it's not, the cinematography is not interesting in any way. Like, it's very, like, TV show that has to put out five episodes a week kind of stuff, where it's like, you're in a police precinct, okay, we're gonna have cameras that just pan across desks, get to a detective, there's stuff on the desk, you know, cut shot to the, you know, the other, the person they're talking to. Like, it's all very basic, where it's like, I don't remember exactly how saws go, but it's like, they often had these very, like, strange angles hype like there is color grading here but like in soft felt much more purposeful like there'd be this weird like darkening like t- tunnel like effect often and like the flashbacks would have this really crazy uh blur effect and stuff mm-hmm. it felt much more atmospheric and and i think they do that, actually the same as lydia was saying like the where, where he um the
1: frame rate does the going
2: insane part there is something like that in the earlier ones but it would have this like like yeah. slow motion sl- like white like- blur but they it's didn't do when, that here. It's um,
1: the Amanda chick has the cage on her head that's going to rip her jaw open. They do it when she's trying to get it off. So it's a scene that's already amped up with, like, incredible tension. And you're already, like, super uncomfortable seeing this, like, mechanical torture device attached to her teeth and her face. So when they yeah. do it, it's effective. Whereas this is just like Chris Rock looking vaguely constipated with his hands on his head and it's clearly like there's tons of hidden homages back to the earlier films throughout this and it's just like a badly done nod back to like an earlier film that was much better and still not that great.
0: Well I think that's the other thing about like I guess what I'm keep harping on is like I don't think it's successful in any of the things that a Saw fan would need. So like Yep. The contraptions are oftentimes so... There's three, and they're... No, wait. Four. Four. There there are four, and they're all, but, but they're all done very, very quickly. They're off screen, probably in less than five minutes. They're all so Rube Goldberg-esque that it's not obvious what they're going to do to the person. And they're not very creative. The first one is like, there's a man hanging by his tongue, and he needs to jump off the chair and rip his tongue out. And it's like...
1: Well, I think the whole right. the whole thing, too, about the Saw movies is, like, in many of these cases, the way these traps function, there's a way for you to get out at least moderately unscathed, whereas mm-hmm. these contraptions, it's, like, the only way to get out is by ripping your tongue out of your mouth or by paralyzing yourself or, yeah, like, taking a shard of glass to your lungs. Like, there isn't really a method in which you could escape this without serious problems long-term permanent injury also, you
0: would probably die getting out in all of them yeah well especially yes. like
2: it's a couple of them were especially like you're cl- like there's clearly no no survival there's no victory method. yeah but yeah one of my things i've always felt with so far is like why do they kill every like if you're gonna have the premise that some people can get out it's like you've got to let out more than one character and i in the entire mm-hmm. franchise i think maybe two people ever got out of traps and it's like you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and like, most I of them become,
1: like... like, the killer in the next movie.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, they get it.
1: And so it's I, just, I like,
2: think... I, I just wish there was more of a sense of, like, maybe these people have a chance. Or maybe there is, like, a real thing going on here.
0: Yeah, and that that's kind of, like, what I, where I keep getting stuck is, like, kills were unsatisfying. The twist was predictable. Like, to say it succeeded in even telling the most boilerplate story, even that it failed. Do you guys have, like, a decent coherent idea of like the time scale of this because given the the color grading and given the 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 amount of flashbacks this could have all taken place in an afternoon there is no scale of time because well no you a, see with...
1: him in his apartment at night one time
0: yeah, so you know at like,
1: least a day has passed
0: <laughs> yeah at least at least one day and it's like it's hard to gauge the uh, efficacy and true like terror the looming terror of this of the of the killer if these guys are, finished, are figuring it over like a lunch break. And that's what it feels like. It's like the flashbacks are meant to represent or to show... The flashbacks work as a vehicle to give you more of Chris Rock's backstory. But that backstory almost does not inform the plot. Because the person who... I'm, I, I Maybe I shouldn't spoil this because it's relatively new. But the person who is involved with... Sorry... The killer is not involved with any of the flashbacks. No, the flashbacks
1: Uh, are only there to show you how shitty all of the cops are except for Chris Rock. Like, that's the only purpose of those flashbacks is like, look how terrible this cop is. And that's why Chris Rock turned him in. But then it ruined his career because everyone hates him. And now all of the cops are suddenly also just as terrible. Uh, Like, that's the only purpose for the flashbacks is to give you that, like, message. So, you know, the killer's purpose.
0: Yeah, and, and even then, I think we've tried a couple times to, to describe the plot of the, the movie, and we've actually failed. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Because it is so bad at telling a simple plot. The plot is, Chris Rock is a hard-boiled detective. He outed a corrupt cop. His dad was the, was the chief. Dad retired. Chris Rock's not even the boss yet. All the cops hate him. It's very much Gotham City. And then, suddenly, weird killings start happening by a copycat killer, and... Through no effort of the police force or Chris Rock, do they figure out who it is? They yeah, accidentally. <laughs> he, just,
1: he just happens to go to the place, and like yeah. the killer reveals himself.
0: And it happens like two, three times. Like he, he just, he just like, oh, I figured out the riddle. But when, you, but the riddle isn't a riddle at all. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just a manifesto.
1: He mentioned trash, so the keys in the trash can. Yeah, he like, mentioned
0: garbage, so he's at the dump. It's like no, no,
1: <laughs> no. Also, just like th- like two times, the killer literally just shows on videotape where to find the body. Like, they yeah. just show like a well known location.
0: Yeah, it's it's expedited the whole plot via both the flashbacks and the killer's work. We kept we kept mentioning the movie uh, Seven mm-hmm. as if this was like the sophomore ish like first year university remake like i don't know attempt to replicate it yeah,
1: it feels it was, like that and zodiac but like a really shitty yeah. version of so Zo- you know jake gyllenhaal Dollars, and robert downey jr yeah i
2: don't even zodiac. think you need Dollar to because i think in seven there's also like letters to the detectives and everything like i think you basically had all
1: the yeah. there's not letters to the detectives there's messages left in the crime scenes right right after, um, they've, after they've died yeah, after they've died. So when the police get there to investigate, there are messages left for the police, but they're, like, in the crime scene. They're not That's sending right. messages to, like, the police precinct. Yeah. Except for when the killer and Seven just shows up at the police precinct and basically turns himself in for the final. Yeah. I just kill. think,
2: like, this is, like, the worst way to go about the, like not reinvigorating a franchise, but like continuing to use a franchise's thing. It's like, it just feels like such a bare bones use of the form, like of the formula that has been established by saw with no real reason to like, it feels like someone was told to make like, I mean, this is exactly what it is like to make a saw movie using like whatever worked in saw movies, just make that Mm -hmm. right. But, and it's like, and you know, it's like, I'm not like this is what's even more disappointing in a way it is a Saw movie. Like it does do the formula. And I'm and I'm fine saying that like it forms. I think that's what makes it more depressing, is that like that's all it is. Like you did the formula, but it's like the family is ancient now. We've all watched at least a few Saw movies, and it does every aspect of it, everything you could possibly get out of it, worse. So it's like there's just no reason for it to exist and it feels so tired. That's my also- big problem with it. I mean, I don't really think it's actually that incoherent or problematic. It's just boring.
1: Also, okay, I know this is like a really stupid thing to harp on because we've seen a lot of movies that are sort of like lost in time where it's it's got some modern aspects but it feels like it's intentionally trying to be retro that like weird retro future shit. Oh yeah, you're talking about the Movie. But like it's done in this movie in spiral in like the most boring and like shitty way where mm-hmm. Chris Rock for the most part seems to be the only one lost in time (laughs) like he's got a cool like a cool classic car and he always wears the aviators and he has like the way he's dressed feels more like 60s 70s kind of like bad cop on the beat vibes the first cop
0: too the the first fans do you remember the first cop the one who opens the movie up yeah we we made fun of him because he was also like like a like a Miami Vice dude like out of time oh
1: yeah. 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 And like this is so weird, but I, I noticed it immediately. But there are two times where you see like an electric fan plugged in because it's supposed to be so hot. And for some reason, nobody has air conditioning in this fucking city. And both of them are, like, these ancient GE uh, fans that look like they Mm, were created in, like, 1962. Like, they're very weirdly mid-century modern, just chilling in, like, a room that's full of fucking iPads. Like what is happening yeah like chris like rock's apartment has bead curtains in it i just, i don't understand i don't
2: think it works but i think the the answer is because the 80s was the era of cop corruption and they even reference the like that's when those laws were like the Article worst 80s. and so they're trying to get you to feel like these are cops who are of
1: that era of yeah. the
0: era of like cops. Like,
1: and they're and just they're like, like fucking lost in time
0: yeah yeah it's, it's trying bizarre. to It's trying to make the world feel lived in, but it's cheating, and, and I think that's actually kind of probably why the movie can't like it couldn't have succeeded because it wants to be a smarter drama in a universe that doesn't account for that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wants to be a detective story. It wants to be hard boiled. It wants to at least take itself it's seriously. It wants seriously. to be a noir. To, yeah, yeah. And and it can't it, because. Like, because the logic of Saw isn't built for that. It's, 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 it's meant to have convenient gaps where people can fall asleep and then wake up in these horrific traps.
1: <laughs> it's also like, you're meant to spend at least a decent portion of the film with the people in the traps. Like, the the thing people like about the Saw movies is, like, the fucking riddle. And, like, dealing with these victims potentially getting out um and like who the killer is and 90 percent of this film is just like with chris rock looking constipated and like yelling at corrupt cops
0: yeah mm-hmm. that's actually something I, I so i haven't watched a saw since the first one oh i don't care for the stuff i I'm, i like <laughs> it hits me in the stomach really hard but uh the thing i remember the most is that there is supposed to be a sense of like they might actually get out like what if what if they actually do like become animalistic and do the thing that makes them live, right? Like cuz that's I remember the first movie being like are your animal instincts going to win or is the humanity going to win, right? Like do you concede or do you do you do you win, right? But like with each of the victims they decide instantly. They decide in in less than a heartbeat what they're going to do. So like I think the um the gentleman who loses They don't
1: a, have time. Yeah, the gentleman who loses They don't have loses, time not uh, to.
0: The dude who loses his fingers, as soon as he's told the rules of the game, he does the thing he needs to do to win. Like, that's it. And even though he does it as soon as he can, like a carnival game with, like, the water guns, he, as soon as the buzzer goes, he hits the button. Even though he's he, he does it the whole time through, he does not win. It's, um... Yeah. It's rigged
1: for you to lose. Like, they're supposed to die. Yeah even if they do the thing that's supposed to get them out alive.
0: Like, they're not that, supposed to learn the lesson that was. That
1: with the fingers pissed me off, though, because there was enough slack on that rope for him to just stand up and get out of the tub. Like, he'd still be trapped, but yeah. a, you, like at least you got time to like figure out a different option. There was very clearly ways out of that situation that did not involve the finger thing.
0: Plus, the things that were on his fingers... Didn't I couldn't look figure like, out how they
1: were attached. They, they
0: looked like the, the the finger traps, the the toy you get as a kid. I know Be, because and they weren't like made of spikes either or metal. They just looked like plastic fishnets. And he's I, like, I know, ah. I couldn't
1: figure out how they were attached to his fingers. Like I, I didn't I think, get how he couldn't take them. I off. think they
2: were attached in the same way that Chinese finger traps are attached. I think that was the idea. It's just really tight. That they as as the tension on the other side goes, there's tension on your finger, and the, and it holds your finger in that same way. Yeah, it was
0: really it was really strange because I'm but looking at it. But I mean, those it.
1: finger traps aren't strong enough to like not pop no, off but these when are, that amount of no, pressure. No, but these are made of metal.
0: These are special ones.
1: Oh, were they metal? Yeah. Oh, it was okay. metal cabling. They, they just well, I saw metal cabling on the pole part, but on the actual yeah. finger trap, I, it looked like it was just like fucking yeah, plastic I netting.
0: I didn't know it was metal. I thought it was just like like plastic webbing uh, oh it, it, the so whole, it looked like metal to the me. whole time i was like i was like come on dude just go limp just like don't don't let it get you <laughs> um <laughs> but but that's the thing by just the time push pulled out yeah by the, t- by the time i had been like oh that's plastic he already is just like i'm going to do the thing that that gets me out of this and still failed i don't know
1: yeah but that's the thing like none of these traps seemed in any way designed that you could survive you know what I mean? Like...
0: I do want to note the very last one, though. Not Sorry, not the very last one, Sam Jackson. The one before that with the glass trap, that one was like arguably... Okay, there's actually five. There's five. That one was arguably the most phoned in. Literally, Chris yeah. Rock is on the floor with handcuffs and a bobby pin. Yeah. And he picks the lock and the handcuffs, and there's another dude in the room, and he's like, how do I unlock this guy's lock? Chris Rock woke up on the floor next to a bobby pin in a trash can, and the trash can has nothing in it but the key to unlock the man. That's it. That's the- that's the trap. And when you unlock the man, he is unlocked. And he can leave. Except that his hands are still tied, but that's anomalous. That's not even part of the- it's so dumb. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I don't really get what the chain around the waist was for, when, like, the chain around the waist did not connect to the chain- on his hand it didn't connect to anything yeah it, it like, that
2: I, one really pissed me off because i'm like no obviously this there was just nothing you could do yeah the whole time yeah I was that's
1: like, what that's what i mean like most of them there's no way to win like even even the one with the hot wax the only way that she could have survived is if the actual second it started she slammed her neck down on that blade and, and then and that she probably would have died from that anyway
0: mm-hmm. yeah all the traps were so brutal that like even if you one, you'd bleed out in seconds. Yeah. You can't live without your without, with your tongue ripped out. Like, you can't just be like, oh, okay, I gotta run to the hospital now. You're done, yeah. homie. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna rip my own tongue out, get off of the subway tracks without touching the electrified track, and then walk my ass out of
0: the subway tunnel. Up a ladder in a sewer. Yeah. And the, the lady with the blade, right? It's like, I gotta behead myself to survive. Okay. Chill. <laughs> Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: And then I have to hope that somebody comes down to the cold case room in a reasonable amount of time, yeah, to Chris get me Rock to the hospital. Come. Because I Chris can't Rock get will out come
0: give me room. bad CPR. Yeah,
2: for me, it's like, uh, yeah,
1: this f- movie Spiral cost twenty million dollars, which is wild. To me no that way, it didn't cost that much.
0: <laughs> Half of that was Samuel Jackson, and
1: it it's right. Yeah, <laughs> its worldwide gross was forty million dollars
0: I told you man this shit makes money it's
1: that's nothing it's, are you fucking kidding me they,
0: they doubled with that's this nothing they doubled it up right like it's enough it's enough that they could justify doing a lower budget one next time and hope to get at least 40 and and to be that's fair
1: worldwide gross well, a, the domestic was only 23 there's a pandemic like, that's, there's not, a, that's bad pandemic. this to be fucking bombed
0: dude it, it, i'm not gonna i'm not saying it I'm not saying it did great, but it's a pandemic, right? They at least they at least made their money back, and that's enough that they'll make another. song, <laughs> You know, they're not gonna stop.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like Twisted Pictures is really doing a lot these days.
0: <gasps> how dare you say that like about Twisted Pictures?
1: <laughs> their fucking options are pretty limited.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many mo- like especially big budget movies have been making their money back yet since the pandemic. Like, I think most most studios are just like, we have to release it at some they need point. To break and, but I do think we're hitting just the last couple months. I do think we're hitting a point where movies
1: can can make money again.
0: Yeah. Dune seems to be one of the few exceptions that, like, really busted the bank. But, like, as far as I know. Yeah, because
1: Villeneuve's a bitch and wouldn't put it on stream or rental. Fucking crybaby. He, the only way to see it was to go to the fucking movie theater.
0: Joke's on him. I pirated that shit. I, I, wanted, I want the next one and I'm still not going to pay for it because he's being a little baby about it. Uh, although I would do want to see it in theater because it's you know big, but yeah, like like I f- I feel like even the Marvel movies right Black Widow and Shang Chi came out during this this shit, and I feel like even they probably didn't like blow the roof off. Well,
1: Black Widow made like pretty good money, uh, but most of it was through streaming. Mm-hmm. Like most of it was through because it went direct to stream which is why the whole lawsuit thing happened because scarlett johansson's contract specified that she got a certain percentage of the box office on the pretense that this movie wasn't going to go direct to stream and then it went direct to stream so she lost out on revenue Whereas shang chi had a theater only like a cinematic only release for the first like three months and i think it did like Decently. Eternals, I think, is bombing, though. Oh, it would have to. Eternals is not doing great. But, I mean, you can chalk that up to, like, misogyny and vague racism.
0: I feel like, I feel like also no one cares about, like, the offshoot Marvel properties, period. Like, uh, racism aside, even Shang-Chi people are probably like, what is this? Like, Where's Tony Stark? Well,
1: it's not offshoot, though. Like, it's, it's gonna, like, he's gonna be one of the new Avengers, probably. I, so. I just mean outside of the, like the big cycle. Character. Right?
0: Cause, like, the, cause, like, the major cycle ended. Uh, and so this is, like, the wave two, I guess.
1: Oh my god, baby. We are on phase four, my love. Oh, I don't even know these things.
0: I'm new. I'm new to, to Marvel stuff, the movies. I feel like Eternals is one of those ones that's just, like, no one cares. Didn't they, didn't they, they tried to do, um, there was a, there was a direct to TV, it wasn't a movie, sorry, it was a, it was supposed to be a TV series about another ensemble superhero group a while ago, and they didn't get through like four episodes, I don't think.
1: Oh, which one? The Netflix one? The Defenders? No,
0: it was another one. It was, um, they actually did like, they aired the first two episodes in, in theater. The Imm- Immortals?
1: No idea. I watched it with- I feel like that was a while ago.
0: Um, I, th- I watched it with, um, Maybe. with one of our friends in theater.
1: Because the- the Disney Plus shows are doing like really well.
0: This one, I can't find it. I, f- I forgot all these superhero names blend together.
2: The Eternals, yeah. Like, I do, I still haven't seen Shang-Chi or the Eternals, and I do actually kind of want to see both, but eventually. I just think, yeah. Shang-Chi was good. Yeah, no, I, I think Shang-Chi just felt to me, and I mean, this is the problem, but it's like, it does, it felt to me more following the classic formula of like that people can understand and oh, get excited yeah. for like a hero. Whereas Eternals, very there's much just something about it where it's just like, it felt like it exists in this space where like it's not one of these cool esoteric like WandaVision has its own little thing TV shows, but it's also not one of these like superheroes that you follow. It's like six random actors you may or may not know fighting some kind of spirit creatures coming from the ocean, you know, and you're just like, I don't know. Like it, it has this feeling of feeling like out of sync with the rest of the um the rest of well, the movie. Well, it has universe. a very I thought it looked different cool, look but... too. Yeah, I thought it looked cool. I especially like what like, there's like a scene in one series with like a spaceship coming and them talking. But the more I saw, the more I was like, oh, this is going to be a weird, like, you have to introduce six characters and each of them is going to have to talk about their backstory throughout all of human history, where you're just like, oh my God, it's just going to be an exposition hell.
1: But yeah, and apparently this is like the first one that didn't have a central real villain either. Like, the yeah. story is very much about them existing on Earth throughout, like, all time
0: i think um i think the problem that both of these movies would probably well i guess all three because black widow shang chi and the eternals run into is that the early early films after the end of a major plot event there's no way they can set up enough tension that they would like spin off a new cataclysmic event right like the marvel
1: oh they already did that exactly they already did that they did that in wandavision the first show that came out after the last phase ended yeah Set up the entire new like major premise. It's the heavy lifting. I just mean the
0: movies like it's gonna be hard for them to pick up the pick up from there and just get into the 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 shit right. Like it's a slow build. The Avengers like before.
1: Well, with the Eternals, it's like a totally. It's gonna come into it. Like, their storyline's gonna come into it more yeah. later. But like the major thing is the multiverse, and those are gonna be covered in the Spider-Man and the. Um, Doctor yeah, and Strange Loki
0: kind of hinted at it too. I just more so mean like.
1: Yeah, I just mean movie wise. I, I guess.
0: I guess I just mean that like. With the, the first cycle of Avengers, like up to the first Avengers movie, there was like three Iron Men, and then there was two Thors, and there was mm-hmm. uh, yeah. technically a Hulk movie.
1: <laughs> the Hulk movie came before that.
0: Yeah, I think it's considered part of that that run. The one with Edward, Edward Norton. It is, yeah. but it came before then, those.
1: The Edward Norton one, I think, came before it even did. the first it did. Iron Man movie did.
0: There was just so much lead-in before they're just like, and now we're introducing the bad guy. This isn't soft. Yeah,
1: Marvel said like they want to do less of those like solo intro movies, like they did it with Shang Chi. They're gonna. There's a few more characters that they've announced that they're doing it with, but what they're doing now is mostly doing those intros through the television shows or those like exposition moments through the television mm-hmm. shows, and then the majority of their movies that they'll be bringing out will be more like y So like there is gonna be a new like Captain America that movie makes sense. for Sam Wilson which is captain america 4 but it's really like as much as it's a solo captain america movie just like spider-man no way home is a solo spider-man movie all of the other characters are gonna be in it right like spider-man has fucking everybody they could think of in it the doctor strange movie has like wanda in it it's also reported that it might have a loki appearance in it so like like None of these are really gonna be it's just Iron Man's story. It's just Captain America story. Like we're gone are those days. It's gonna be a lot more of like the Captain America Civil War, where like every character has an appearance in it, or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, where a big chunk of the characters have appearances in it. That's it's that and ensemble movies like The Avengers and the Eternals is really what we're gonna be seeing.
0: Yeah. It seems like they've got some setting up to do and they've got a lot of like pairings to like we're gonna see a lot of yeah, good really like buddy cop pairings. I can't wait to see that uh, ca- that new Captain America.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. I think that'll be really cool because um, Captain or uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the TV show, was. I mean, it suffered from from COVID edits a lot, but it was like a really cool show. It had a lot of potential. It's just there was a whole like B plot storyline that was about a pandemic ravaging these relocation camps. And then the actual pandemic happened and they're like, it's probably like not cool to talk about supply chain issues when it comes to like handing out vaccines to impoverished relocation camps when we're literally going through that experience right now. Um, So they had to cut out an entire like B plot that like created a lot of gaps in character development. And it did it did hurt the -hmm. show quite a bit. But the writing in the show is is much more like thoughtful it has a really interesting very current feeling message it's vi- it's a cool show like it's very like socially informed
0: we've moved really far off so- okay off now Spire. that we've
1: yeah
2: tangent so far off we can uh i thought you know what's funny too is just just that like like in the back of my head i was like we have managed for the most part through most of the podcasts not to turn into the 10 millionth podcast to, ha- to be updates on the marvel universe Yeah, we
0: could clip that out
2: but it's inevitable we all have at least some... Ta- Everyone in the planet has some tangential interest in superhero movies. And I, I don't like them. I watch every single one. Like, lots of people. Like, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's ubiquitous if you're geeky in the slightest.
1: They've added a cool character to Marvel, though. Echo is going to be coming into it, who's mm-hmm. a deaf, native mutant in the Marvel universe in the comics. I don't know if they will actually be an X-Men in this, if this is how they're introducing mutants, or if she's just going to be a superhero. But they cast a deaf native actress in the role, which is great. Good job. Then. Very cool. It's, I know it's kind of like the bare fucking minimum, but still progress. It's Neat. And Echo's a super cool character. She like mimics hmm. other people. So she she like uh, was able to learn how to fight by watching videos of Daredevil and was able to like do his entire fight and beat him because she just watched videos of him. Oh, that's a guy. She learned, like, she was able to, like, shoot with perfect aim by watching videos of Bullseye or Deadshot. I can't remember which one. But, like, she, she's just, like, a cool character. She has, like, mimicking abilities, like, super crazy, intense mimicking abilities.
2: I'll have to wait and see. Okay, you can find us at Fans Lab Pod on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.